This podcast is powered by SEM Wealth Management. SEM Wealth Management, where your faith, your values, and your investments align. Great day, everybody. Ed Dudley coming from Durham, North Carolina. I'm repping my Celtics because we are 1-0 right now. We only had one game. And, and I'm only saying it because Garland's sitting up there and he's got 6-0 Eagles. Boo, because no one really cares about the Eagles, but Eagles fans. <laughs> you know, we got Greer Rubling in the house. Hey, Greer, how you doing today? Great, thank you. That's good. That's good. Garland. First of all, I love your background. Yeah, whatever. You know I'm on a train. So I'm I'm literally <laughs> stuck between somewhere between King's Dominion and Richmond, I think is where we are right now. So I'm supposed to be landing. Just landing. landing. Did you just say supposed landing? So be, be getting into Richmond at 10. I think we're on time too. Okay. God bless you. God bless you. So, well, welcome to another journey, everybody. We are um we're always happy to have this space and share stories from amazing financial advisors and literally across the globe, because we've had several um, advisors from South Africa on. But we have someone in my backyard today, in Greer and I's backyard, uh, an amazing advisor that's been in the business for a while. She's got a story to share. She's gonna share her first day in the business, which was very interesting. So without any further ado, the one and only, Miss Jessica, Lamb. Look, see, I love that morning energy. I love it. Welcome, Jessica. Good morning. Good morning. And I will just say, Ed, the three and three that the Patriots have, it's okay. It's early. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm, I am I am okay with that. When you have had 20 years of dominance, to have a couple bad years, I'm okay. But my rookie quarterback, Zappy, looks great. Mac Jones, you might be in trouble. You might be in He's trouble, sir. Terrible. It's no, all bad up there. What about the commanders? Are we are we thinking we can pull the seats in now? You know? Do you still have a football with, team? With, with who? <laughs> with who, who is that? Who, who are the commanders? Where are they from? Like, what are oh, they? gosh. <laughs> yeah, the Washington never, football team. Never put them on prime <laughs> time ever again. Like, ever again. 12-7 on a Thursday night. Yeah, they've historically <laughs> been very prime time heavy. Probably because they used to be really good in the, like, the playing the when Cowboys. I had hair, let's just put it when I had hair. Let's just put it that way. They were good when I had hair. I haven't had hair in about 18 years. Okay, so they haven't been Believe good me. in about 20 years. Believe me, I I feel that pain. I feel that pain. Well, we can sit here and talk if, about. If all were to be true, y'all, it's a Browns fan right here. So the pain oh. is real. The pain is real. Okay, okay, we have right. something in common. Yeah, yeah. The Browns are in the CFL, right? They're in the Canadian League. Uh, you know what? I, I don't. I think USFL. Like, <laughs> I think arena it's arena. Football. It's arena football now. Yeah. Oh, we can, it, we've turned an advisor podcast into a, a sports podcast. I absolutely love it because you never know where we're going to go uh, with the, with this show. But Jessica, um, as I said earlier, you have a story to share. I would love for you to share. 
a little bit about your story. You know, how did you get into business? What made you get into the business? And just share your journey along the way with us. All right, cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I really do appreciate this. Um, so my journey in the business is not typical. This isn't what I went to school for. Um, I started out um, in the trucking industry, actually. I have a CDL, Class A CDL. I drove a tractor trailer. And in that space, um, I should maybe jump a little bit before that. I was in the Marine Corps, and in the Marine Corps, I was a diesel mechanic. So when I left the Marine Corps, any of you who, who like, there are great opportunities when you're in a different branch than the Marines, but in the Marines, there are either the skill they gave you or a mercenary. And I didn't know how to find the job as a mercenary, so the other skill that I had was a diesel mechanic, and I didn't want to do that in the world. So Instead, I was like, oh, let's go get a CDL license and let's drive a tractor trailer in the lower 48 in Canada. So that's so real, real, real quick. I got a question. Yes. Did you have a CB? I did. What was your CB handle? Lamb chop. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. So I will be calling you Lamb Chop from now on. And Sorry I to interrupt. Thought, no, no, and that's totally cool. Yeah, it's totally cool. I wanted to use Little Bo Peep, but my mom had already used that early in the 70s. So I was like, I can't. Like, that's that's classic, right? I like Lamb Chop. Yeah. I, I like Lamb Chop, too. So Garland's then, shaking his head. <laughs> hey, Garland, don't shake too hard. It'll mess up that background. It's on Lamb Chop. Goodness gracious. I feel, I feel a lawsuit coming on. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> Um, so, uh, started driving a tractor trailer, then, uh, was able to buy into a, um, small trucking company and that was really great. I learned a lot, but what I also learned is that I was a young female in an industry dominated by white men. Hmm. Weird. <laughs> weird. Weird. You're glutton for punishment. Weird, isn't it? Like. <laughs> Just started in the Marine Corps, then jumped to trucking industry, and then was like, hmm, let's just try this other thing. And in the process of that was, uh, it was 1998, 99, 2000, and a software company gobbled me up and said, hey, we need you to come and teach real people our software that we're implementing for Y2K. And so I was doing maintenance software and logistics software to the to the end user. Basically, here's the software. Show me what you do. Now let me show you how you do it on the software. And it was great until Y2K didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And so at that point, um, some of some of the folks that that are that listen to this and see this will understand Monster.com. Um, Resume went up on the monster and I got recruited by principal financial group and I had a great manager who took a chance on me and said, you know how to talk to people, you know how to be a consultant, we'll teach you the product. And I was like, all right, that sounds cool. And so, you know, you get your licenses and then it's like your official first day to come on board. And my first day was September 11th, 2001. And I was sitting in our first meeting, all like the new people, and we had a nice view of, of the airport so we could see the planes coming in. And as the day sort of progressed, there were just nothing. And so at that moment, I was like, wow, timing. <laughs> and I've been in the business ever since. So that that's that's a quick down and dirty of, of how I got in and... Um, I just stayed with it. I just, I really just love it. It's a great business. 
That's great. 9-11. Everyone knows where you were on 9-11. Ed, where were you at on 9-11? So I was sitting on North Tryon Street in Charlotte, North Carolina, on the sales desk with Evergreen. And we had a bunch of screen TVs um, around the floor that we we watched the news. And when the first plane hit, I'm like, no, that's not an accident. And we're all talking to each other. And then I had to leave to go across the street to the bank. And as I'm in the bank making a deposit, that's when the second plane hit. And I froze. And everybody in the bank didn't move. Did, we just did not move. So I knew exactly where I was. And it was like it was yesterday. I knew all the people that were sitting right next to me, um, what we shared. So Garland, where were you? Um, I had just landed to Charlotte on a red eye from Vegas. I was at a bachelor party um, for one of my Naval Academy buddies and literally rode into to work. We, were just, we hopped on the phone, at the office phone, there's no cell phones back then. And uh, we were just chit-chatting with a guy named Rob Madden. Rob Madden worked in the, um, the Amex building, which is about a block and a half away from the North Tower. And uh, he literally said, hey man, something crazy is going on this morning, I'm not sure. It seems like a computer plane hit one for the towers, let me call you right back. And so I did not go on on. He's fine, he survived the whole deal, but he literally watched that you know, in the front seats. Um, my father, who had retired from NSA, but was still doing consulting work, was on his way to the Pentagon, literally sitting on 395 in Northern Virginia when that whole thing went down. So it was, it was a weird day, very weird day. Ironically, um, you know, the trading firm that we worked with at the time was Cantor Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. And so it was weird because I was on the phone with these guys all the time on the trading desk, but I never actually met the people. And as you know, the story, they were on, I think the 105th floor of the, of the South yeah, Valley. Everybody. Everyone was gone. Yeah. So it was, it was a crazy day. It's interesting that that was your first day in the business. Yeah, I, I sort of chuckle. Around. I yeah, I sort of chuckle about it, right? It was like either sink or swim, right? Like, yeah, because nobody wanted to talk to me for the first three weeks of being in the business, and that's when you and that's when you still cold called, right? You just open the mm. phone book and start. <laughs> yeah, Miss Gray, what were you what doing in the talk about? I was walking into my eleventh grade AP chemistry <laughs> class. <laughs> Not often I get to pull a I'm younger than all of you um, statement. Um, wish it was about something uh, with a happier ending, but um, I no, was very I'm not confused. gonna lie, Greer, that just hurt. Just a little, but it's all good, it's all good. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was a little crazy for us too, because we were all students and people kept talking about the World Trade Center and I was a you know 17 year old kid and I didn't know what building that was. like. I had like a basic, very basic idea, but I, you know, I was just confused and feeling kind of like I didn't know what was going on while everybody else around me was like freaking out and the teachers were freaking out. And I was just like, what, what is happening? I don't understand. And so it wasn't until I got home and like had it all explained because I think the teachers didn't even really know how to explain it to all of these high school students. So it was just mass confusion everywhere and it seemed like half the people didn't know what anybody was talking about and the other half of the kids like 
or acting like they knew exactly what was going on. And so it was a very, I, I do exactly remember it though. I remember who said it. I remember the kids I was standing around and I remember it being a very weird experience. Yeah, it was, it was different. So, so Jessica, you start on 9-11, you got a few weeks in, tell us a little bit about the journey um, as being an advisor when we still cold called people. <laughs> well, so twofold. I started on that day, but I also <clears throat> was new to Raleigh. So I really was cold calling. And uh, it was, it was interesting. It was, uh, you were sort of handed a, here's a list of people, start at the top and just start dialing and just start asking people questions about whatever. And as a new person at the time, the thing that we were talking about, because it was topic was life insurance because of what was going on in the world. And uh, I got my I got my feet wet in this industry in life insurance. And it has been a solid um, foundation for me. And I would say to folks, um, in my first three years, I unfortunately sold a lot of life insurance, but I also had to, to I inherited a book of business and had to deliver a few, you know, checks to some folks who had lost some people in their lives. And so I really got to see what potentially was going to be the, the fruits or the, the, the caring part of what we do. And uh, so that was kind of the first few weeks. Um, I would say maybe like the first year and a half. And then people wanted to start talking about, you know, how do I invest? I need to have some, some of that done. And so worked a little bit in that. Um, I had a couple of dentists that ironically were clients and wanted to do some retirement plans for their people. So I got a little into that and I've just been kind of plugging along. I had a stint in putting my, my, my sort of skills in college funding and understanding FAFSA and understanding that space. Um, and that was great. Um, and then over the pandemic, I just really discovered like I really need to like focus and looked at my book and said almost all of my clients are single women who are solo entrepreneurs or C-suite and why am I fighting this like these are my people this is who I am why why am I trying to go after this you know what what the industry says is you know dual income family with children and all of that when the people who love me and come to me are women and so um, in the last three years or so, that's kind of been a real turning point and a real focus for me. And I love it. Um, and part of the reason that I love it is now what's also happened for me is it's energized bringing in more women in this business, bringing in the minority focus into this business because those folks aren't getting served correctly by, no offense, the old white guys that are in the industry. So that's kind of quick journey. Well, absolutely, absolutely love it. Go ahead, Greer. I was going to say, I think you basically just hit on every single point that this podcast is trying to make with that statement is that sometimes we don't really mean to, but we attract the people that are most like us. And so 
in industries that are dominated by old white men, the attraction that they are going to have are to other old white men. And so the importance of a podcast like this and history in general to start bringing financial education and financial planning to other demographics in the industry means that we have to have more of those people as the financial advisors. And so it's really important for us to have these conversations and represent those demographics so that we can encourage others to follow this path, enter into this industry and attract those other demographics. Because as long as those other demographics do not feel comfortable being served by the old white men, they're going to remain in positions where they don't feel comfortable with the management and the financial planning of their money. And so I will stop my rant there, but basically <laughs> everything that you said, I was like, this is why we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. You summed it up, Greer um, and Jessica. Thank you for, for saying that. But more importantly, thank you for being an agent of change because we need more individuals doing exactly like you're doing and saying the exact same thing. You know, it's easy to say, well, I'm going to do this, but you know, what are you doing? To, to change the optics um, because there are so many people that look like all of us on the screen that should be in financial services. The numbers are still paltry. The industry has been trying for years and there's something they're not getting right. I wish I had a magic wand can fix it, but I can't. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast business. Hopefully this message will land with someone that maybe just came out of the military and a little unsure what they want to do, or somebody that may be a truck driver or somebody that's maybe an, even an Uber driver say, look, this might be a great industry. Let me go in here get trained and have a successful career. So I'd love to dive well, in. A little, I, would, I would just like just a little bit into that too is have our industry realize that we need to also embrace the people who've never been in this before mm. and really and really give them an option of a living wage to be able to actually do this job and grow the business because i think that's the biggest problem is how how do you transition into this business like when i started in this business it was feast or famine it was like either figure it out or get out right because you're not gonna be able to stay in it right and so as the industry, we also need to deal with that too. It's like, hey, look, if we really want to do this and if we're really going to be the people who are saying agent of change and we're really going to be the people who say, yes, we want to do this, we also have to say, how are we going to do this? And the only way to do this is to give people a, an opportunity to have a living wage so they can keep doing this. Because it takes, God knows, at least two years to get your feet underneath you in this industry. First, the first two years, you're just figuring out product right? You're just figuring out how this industry works. And let's be honest, this industry is not transparent. No matter how much they want to say they are, they are not transparent. So it's also being, it's being real about the whole thing. You hit something right there. You touched the nerve with me because let's that go. whole, let's because go. that whole living weight, that is the, that's the key. And for them to say that they don't have the resources and the finances to actually do it, it's, it's crap. So, because I know what some of the higher ups make for a living. I know what kind of bonus that you get. And I know there's discretionary funds that you can actually use to help 
provide a living wage for these individuals to get into the business because no it is not an easy business and a lot of times minorities and even some women do not come from backgrounds where they actually know money the daddy has connections uh to different clubs and things like that so if we really want to be serious about it you can change it you just still don't have a desire to actually really change it yet because it because you don't feel it's broken because it's still working for you I'm sorry. Let me let me let me get off my my pedestal because see Garland's smiling because I Garland and I've had we have so many conversations around this uh, so often. But for the ones that are out there that are doing doing it the right way, I applaud you. I applaud you for actually not just just talking about it, but actually putting some meaningful work behind it. So, but. Let me get off my soapbox. Jessica, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing to attract, bring in individuals that don't look like the norm in the financial services industry. You know, and I wish I could tell you that I'm out there like pounding the pavement and doing the things, but I think it's just being me. Um, and, and being a voice that's out there, um, having the conversations that need to be had, um, trying to put myself at the table even if I have to bring my own folding chair. Um, and, and I think you guys probably already figured out I'm a no nonsense kind of guy, you know, like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mix words. And occasionally some of the words come out of my mouth and are, are, uh, Marine Corps words. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> and, um, but I think that I'm real. Right. And, and I think that's the key is, um, I'm, you're not going to get BS. And so I think just being out in the space and, and showing people like, I am not an advisor who puts on a suit and tie and goes to the 30th floor. That's not what I do, right? Like, I look like you. I do what, what you do. I drive a car that's a 2008. Like, I'm not driving the, the you know, brand new Mercedes and live in a fairly modest home. But I've done all of those things to also move my financial strategy forward right to create a money story that i want to have not the one that was given to me um to have my vision and my values come together and i think that as long as i'm present in the rooms that that i'm able to get into even if i have to like turn the knob after it's already been locked and walked in i can keep doing that um ideally and sort of where where the space that I would like to move to is actively looking for folks to to come into this business and and being a mentor um, and or a sponsor, um, a coach. But I would also say, but not completely responsible for you, because if you want to be in this industry and you want to be a business owner, because that's what we are. And if you're not a business owner in this industry, I don't know what you are, because that's what we do. Like, like, I, I don't know how you do this and not look at this as like a business. You can't, um, we have a product. Most of my product is here, right. And here, um, so, so I would just say like, like the adults in the room, let's come in the room, not just, and, and let's figure out how do we make this happen? I think that's a. I think you hit on one really good point that I was having a conversation with some advisors about on one of my LinkedIn threads the other day, um, and that is mentorship. Um, I didn't see a lot of that when I was coming up in this industry, and 
because this industry and the way that at least the advisors I was seeing were being trained, it was very cutthroat. It was very like, like you said, like eat what you kill. And it, it was, it was, oh, we lost, um, but I'll continue. Okay. So, um, there really was not an emphasis on collaboration. There was more of an emphasis on competition. And so there wasn't a lot of help from others that I could see or mentorship going on. And the mentorship that I did see was because there were more of friendships and stuff that were forming. And so people were naturally trying to help these younger advisors who were coming up in the industry out without there really being set mentorship but there was kind of this camaraderie, I would say. And that camaraderie, again, kind of developed from people who have similar backgrounds and people who have similar interests. And so you see a lot of these young white men having these conversations with these already successful older white men. I'm sorry, the landscapers are um, in the window behind me. Um, but I didn't see a lot of mentorship for anybody else that didn't kind of already come from that privileged background and, and have those conversations with other privileged people. So I think that the mentorship in this industry could really use a boost and that it would be super helpful to a lot of those young men and women who don't otherwise have people that they can go to that can give them that um encouragement and that knowledge that they so desperately seek to 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 be successful in this industry yeah well said Greer. and i i'm not going to pick on the old white men i will simply i'm, I'm going to come to the defense of the old white men for right now um a lot of them did not have people of color in their circles and a lot of times we gravitate to people that look like us are in spaces like us so if, you're, if you were never really in those spaces, you gravitated towards the younger white guy because you saw yourself potentially in him. Whereas you didn't necessarily see me in your circle. You know, there was a time that I used to ask people that I became good friends with besides me. You have another black friend. And their their faces, you know, some of them are like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I got some black friends. And I was like, okay. And then they'll throw a name out because that's the first name that they can pull out. They can pull out. They can pull out the air. Then I'll mess. Then I'll turn the heat up a little bit. Okay. So you have a black friend. You might go out to, to you know, have a drink with the black friend. But have you ever had a black friend to your house? Or somebody of color at your house? Sit down, watch a game, picnic. And you watch eyes just get big and people get uncomfortable. But I don't blame them because a lot of times, because there was a time where all my friends and my circle were all people that looked like me until I got to this industry and it just opened up a lot, a lot more. Garland, you got any questions? Because oh, no here questions. comes Garland. I'm going to add in though, because I think the thing that irritates me the most was when I would hear things like, well, he's really smart. Um, he does a great job, he works hard, but we are afraid to put him in front of our clients because he doesn't look like them. Um, and I think that is a testimony to anyone that is in any minority category, uh, including obviously women, because lots of times where you experience some of this, when you are a younger woman with older men, um, you're looked on as sort of the help 
you know, hey, go get the coffee, um, take notes in the meeting, right? All that kind of stereotypical crap that, that, you know, you guys have been fighting for, you know, since since we had skin. And the, the bottom line is, and we've had these conversations as our industry is woefully behind now, right now, um, in 2022, They have not come checking. Um, so that's hey, Garland. So I don't make excuses for them. Hey, Garland, can you back up a little bit? Because in your travels between D.C. and Richmond, we kind of lost you a little bit. Can you repeat what you just said? Where, where'd you lose? Where'd you lose me, Ed? I, I said you heard. I heard World Fleet 2022, and then we didn't hear what you what you were commenting on. I said because um, that's where we are. Right. We're, we're not anywhere near the standard that we need to be in. And so I, I Garland. So Garland, real quick. I think I there is an I think there's an old white man that's controlling the sound that you're trying to say. Because every, <laughs> oh, every time you try to say something like there's a <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> it's Amtrak is censoring my speech. Look, we don't want them to shut down the rail lines, Garland. Stop it. <laughs> Come on, man. We just got through that whole union thing. Come on, man. Come on. Ease up. Ease up. But I think we know where you were where you were going with that because we all um, are pretty much in the same vein, saying the same thing, just a little different way. Um, Jessica, as a woman in the financial industry and that number is like really, really low. First of all, I'm going to be very kind of candid on here. I think women make the best financial advisors. We do. Hand, hands down. I, I'm just being completely honest. I worked with a lot of advisors over the years. Women make some of the best financial advisors because they look at things completely different than men. Mm-hmm. So without with that, but as a woman financial advisor, and you've been in the business for a while, has there, has there been any challenges as a woman, whether it's through the firm, some of the clients that you've met, or just navigating the whole system. So interesting to, um, I'll just throw this out. Not only am I a woman, but I am LGBT. So um, that piece I think was a bit more challenging than the woman piece. And part of that is, is that the typical thing and, and Garland hit on it really nicely, right? Like. Greer and I walk in a room and immediately people think we're the assistant or they start asking us to take notes or can you get me coffee or, or the, the thing, right? Like treat me like your daughter or your mother. Right. Um, and for me, that was fairly easy to overcome because I don't take a back seat very well. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm the don't put baby in the corner. So so that's not as, as hard. But what was hard was having the conversations around my. I'm <laughs> I sorry. You. I love you, No, I just looked at Garland's um, name. Look at Garland. Did you see Garland's yeah. name? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did right away. <laughs> I hate Perfect. you, Garland. I, I hate you. I, I love it. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. Active, like, ugh, ugh. Yeah. yeah. I just like the I'm dirty sorry. dancing reference. <laughs> Um, so for me, the harder part was the conversations around, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and, um, like your home life. 
right? Like, tell me about your spouse. And at the time I didn't, I couldn't say spouse because marriage wasn't legal when I first got in the business. So it was partner. And they kind of did one of those, um, like business partner. And I'm like, no, my, my partner. And I hated the, I hated the term life partner. Cause that sounded like some kind of life coachy thing. And I was like, right. Um, so, so that was actually a bit harder Ed, than being the woman in the room was being the, the, the gay person in the room who, um, you know, and, um, and also having at some point industry say, Ooh, this is a market. Right? <laughs> it's like, yep. And so then everybody wanting to be in that market, but I mean, the reality is, is if you ain't gay, you don't know. You don't understand. Right. Yep. right. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, know better, do better, but like, you can't just jump in and start talking to gay folks about what they need to do. Cause you don't understand the dynamics. And right? there's, a lot of, there's a lot of dynamics there as well. Right. Yeah. Just yep. like, like I cannot jump into um, working with Latinx and Hispanic folks. Cause like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand, like I want to, and I'm trying my best to learn it, but like, that's a different space. And I'm not gonna be able to just jump into that space and be like, yes, <laughs> um, that's my new market, right? Yeah. No matter I'm... how, no matter how fluently I speak Spanish, right? <laughs> and just, you know, that's not at all. So, so I think that was harder than being the woman, because I think some of that was also um, entering, a wo- entering a room, this is what I come in as. I'm a woman, right? But the LGBTQ piece is is not always something that just comes into the room, right? And so I think um, that piece was a little bit harder. That is, you know, very interesting um, piece because I remember um, previous roles that I had where they made a big uh, bunch of noise they said, well, we, we have some, some gay advisors and their whole market is that community, the plus community. Oh my God, we need to rally around them. We need to create marketing. We need to do this. We need to do, and I'm sitting here like they're people. (laughs) They have the same needs at the end of the day. They just chose to do that market. Like some people choose to work with dentists. Some people choose to work with construction, like it is who it is, but that is very interesting. <clears throat> and we have not even dived into that world because I can imagine that's challenging in itself, especially, you know, as you start to share your story, like, you know, tell us about you and things like that. So thank you for sharing that piece as well. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a piece that could have its own podcast because as you were talking about it, I was thinking about all of the operational hurdles that some of my advisors have to go through. I'm a transition consultant. So basically I, I'm moving books of business all the time. And so a lot of what I do is opening lots of accounts, doing lots of paperwork and stuff. And, and the financial services industry just they they haven't caught up yet like yeah they want to go out and market to the to that industry but they don't even have the systems in place to support that industry and so there's a lot of times where if i have clients who are same-sex couples and i am putting in information into the system like it wants to know if they're married or if they're not married and then but if they're the same gender then there's an issue in the system 
And then when it comes to beneficiaries, like if you are not the spouse, you don't get the same benefits as a non-spouse, but but if you're not the spouse and you put them as the spouse and you have a spouse, it's the operational issues that I go through on a daily basis for same-sex couples makes me so furious because I'm like, why are we still calling it this? You know, why are we still calling it? Why, why don't we have better terms for things? I mean, we still call uh, work from home spouses, homemakers, and there's just some terminology in the system that really infuriates me and that does Did not say homemakers? Oh yeah, homemaker is the term that is used on by every custodian for a spouse that is not working, that is a stay at home, whatever. How about house manager? Like, let's be honest, right? <laughs> yeah, my favorite career was up until about two years ago, there was still the husband and wife on the yeah. forum. Yep. Right. I, I had one of those a few and, that years was after, ago. and that was after marriage was legal. I was like, how, yeah. how I don't fit this role. Sorry, first of yeah. all, I don't like either of those terms very well, but but like that doesn't fit my space. Well, I still think even the gender question is dumb. Like, why are we asking who cares? Who cares what their gender is? You know, like, what does that matter? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that just hit a nerve with me because I am constantly going through paperwork all the time and when I get to a piece that doesn't make sense I'm I'm just like how have you not figured this out yet how have you not changed it to just be a neutral answer instead of something that that alienates part of the population altogether yeah, yeah. so one of the things that you know I think as an industry what needs to be done from senior leadership and board rep true representation we still don't really have it. You put people of color, we have have more diversity, not just from a gender aspect, but just our society as a whole, then we'll start seeing some more change. But we still don't see it. If you go up the chain of command in a lot of financial services industry, um, you're still going to see the typical way it was years ago. No, they'll, they'll let a few people in the door. I was like, all right, you come on in because you assimilate very well. Uh, but a lot of people, they're not letting in the door. There was a financial um, <clears throat> a CEO um, that got himself in hot water last year when he said, I don't see any qualified um, African-American candidates. And I, kinda, I laughed hard. First of all, I was upset, but I laughed hard because I knew he had one individual, at least one individual that I knew of with a, that was a P, had, I think I had a double PhD and was absolutely brilliant. Right up under your under your nose, and you're gonna say that? Needless to say, I was happy to say that he left not too long after that, and he's a president of another or president of another organization. So you let one go out the door because you weren't doing the right thing. Go ahead, Garland. No, I'm just gonna say they're not looking. It's not that he, he knew he knew what he had, but he wasn't looking for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why when we start climbing up the uh, the corporate ladders and we start getting to the top end of the, of the, of the pyramid and it gets real thin in that air, um, it starts to all look the same because at the end of the day, usually the top dog is picking his his group, his, his inner sanctum, his circle. Um, he's not looking for, unfortunately, the four of us. Yep. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, and I will say the one thing that I've also started to do um, is seek out and only do business with companies that I see that. Like, 
um, I'm going to throw out a name, and I hope that's okay, but Asset Mark has done a really great job. Their CEO is a woman. Like, people who are holding positions are women. They have people of color in spaces that need to be, and they're not diversity people. They're actually like CIOs, CFOs, CEOs. Um, and so I'm also starting to really look for what are the companies that are a reflection of me and my clients and where I want this industry to go versus, yeah, they might be doing a great job at managing money, but they don't manage anything else. Mm. Right. And so in the long run, is that really who I want to do business with? No, I don't. Yeah. yeah love it. Love. It. So Jessica, Sure. First of all, and I didn't get to say it earlier, thank you for your service. Really, really appreciate it. I've actually, it's, I want to say over the last few months, just a ton of women Marines. And you guys scare me because one, I met, she's a sharpshooter, Garland. Like she's out there and she's in Quantico. She's a sharpshooter. And I just rode by Quantico 30 minutes ago. She, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's just, Marines and tough. Marines are just y'all just tough. But thank you for your service. So thank looking you, back, looking back over your career, what would you tell yourself um, on September 11th? Um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself, give yourself some advice, what would you say? Stop fighting who you are as your clients. Stop trying. Stop trying to do the thing that the industry says. And the people that they say should be your clients, be the you, and and your clients will be there. Um, and um, look at this more like it like a true business. Like, how are you going to create something either that you can sell or that also gives you recurring income, and that you can also hire other people. Like you're like, look at this, like you're a wealth creator, not just for the people that you're going to work with, but also for yourself. And, um, yeah, I think that's probably what I would say is, is stop fighting who you are. Oh, I love that. That was I, beautiful. I've spoken about that on other episodes before that when I first started my own business in this industry, I was trying to fit in and have everything on my website and everything look like everybody else's. Um, but that di it didn't feel natural to me. And when I finally realized that people were coming to me for me and not necessarily for my business, I just started putting things out there as me giving my own opinions, uh, talking about my interests and my backstory. And that's when things really, really took off for me and why people come to me now. It's, it's, it's rare that I get the person that comes to me and says, oh, I found your website and I you know, wanna talk about what you do. A lot of the times it's, I saw your LinkedIn post or somebody told you about me or I saw something that you wrote in an article and I want to learn more, you know? So it's putting my personality out there and trying to attract people who appreciate me for me rather than just the service I provide has really been 
um, eye-opening, and I encourage others to do the same if they stop trying to fit into a box and really put themselves out there as who they are and being a little bit different, then they're going to attract those who are also a little bit different, and um, and it's going to work out better for everyone, I think. Yeah, love it. So as we get ready to start wrapping up, Garland, do you have any final questions or thoughts? Um, my thoughts are always the same. Jessica, thank you so much for your courage um, in many regards, um, you know, from your service to this country, uh, to being in this industry and, and, and daring to be different. Um, embrace the differences. I love your attitude about that. Um, we don't always agree on, on things, but the one thing I do agree on is humanity. And you sound like a decent human being. I don't even know you yet, but I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more. Thank you, Garland. I appreciate that. Greer, final questions or thoughts? Um, I don't think I have any final questions, but I'm really excited to have done this interview. I really think that you embody most of what we are trying to accomplish on this, on this podcast, and that is be your authentic self and you will attract people who are wanting authenticity and who really appreciate what you have to offer. And so that's all you can really say. And, and that the financial services industry is a little bit behind in their everything, their technology, their marketing efforts, their uh, diversity, um, everything. So um, by doing and being something different, you can be 10 years ahead of everybody else now. So thank you so much. Well, well said, man. Well said. I will simply say, as Garland's riding on the train, if the financial industry was on a part of the train, it would be the caboose. <laughs> and I, I would, I will leave it like that. Jessica, how, <laughs> Jessica, how how can Which is people? Cute and important, but it is the last one. It is the last one. <laughs> it is the last one. <laughs> Jessica, any any final thoughts that you'd like to share? Well, I just would like to say to you all, thank you for doing what you're doing, like having this podcast and bringing in people that may not always have a voice or be seen, being able to be seen. That's awesome. Um, and I would say this not just for advisors, but I think for all of us is, is be your authentic self and don't let somebody take that away from you. And, um, and at the end of the day, we all aren't going to get out of this alive. So let's let's just do the best we can. No better, do better. Yeah. How do people find you? Um, LinkedIn is great. I um I, I do love a LinkedIn. Um, my website is jessicaclam.com. That the C stands important. for chop. It, it does not, but <laughs> but we'll go there. Uh, the C is important to me, and uh, once you get to know me, you'll understand it's my, I was named after my grandmother, so it's my grandmother's, it's my grandmother's name, and nice. that's pretty important. Um, but it's also because when I was setting up my website, jessicalam.com was already taken by a motocross racer in Australia, and I was like, damn. Yes. Like, I was like, yeah. So occasionally, she, be mad. Would, occasionally she would get an email, and she'd be like, this is clearly not for me. <laughs> So yeah, jessicaclam.com, you can catch me there or LinkedIn is always a good place. Um, and I'm out and about. So if you see me, 
don't be afraid to come up and be like, hey, I saw you on. And I'll be like, I know, I'm a movie star, I can't help you. <laughs> well, I'm in Carrie. I'd love to go. We'll go get coffee. Amen, girl. Yeah. So thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing some of your story. Really appreciate it. Uh, definitely loved hearing about you, your journey from Marine to truck driver to financial advisor. No, there's that's a story. That sounds that sounds like a software that sounds like a documentary. So, and, oh, I forgot software engin- engineering for Y two K. For you young people that don't know who, what Y two K is, please go look it up. Or we thought, no, we thought the world was going to end. We thought the world was over. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Everything is going to stop working, and we're going to be dealing with zombies. And so much money wasted. So much money. Some people made a lot of money. Some people made a lot of money during that time. (laughs) But for everyone that tunes in, this has been another Journey to Financial Advisor experience, sharing the story of Jessica C. Lamb. Check her out on LinkedIn. She put some great content out there. Go to her website. We appreciate you. We value it in just any way that any one of us can serve you. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Take care, everybody. Thank Thank you. you.